Superhumanize. Accelerated evolution. Today, I'm speaking with a visionary in the fields of holistic beauty and wellness. Nadine Artemis is an aromacologist and green beauty botanical formulator for over 25 years, and she has pioneered the beyond organic luxury skincare and wellness brand Living Libations, a company that provides the highest integrity botanical products for outer and inner beauty and balance. And her line of essential oil serums and elixirs has a cult following around the globe. Full disclosure, I am one of the biggest fans. And the wonderful thing about Living Libations is it's a company that is a women-led operation, and it's celebrated for its forward-thinking culture and philosophy, including a decentralized and self-organizing management method, and as well as an established record of embracing fair trade and ethical farming and harvesting practices. Nadine is also a speaker, educator, and the author of the book holistic dental care as well as the book renegade beauty and her products and the concept of renegade beauty focus on an ethical alternative to caustic cosmetics problematic pharmaceuticals and environment eroding chemicals nadine's mission is to inspire people to rethink conventional notions of beauty and wellness and she is someone whose knowledge and products have completely uplifted my personal life over the last years summer and I have passionately dedicated the last 12 years of my life to creating the ultimate human experience mentally, physically and spiritually based on the most powerful ancient teachings and cutting edge modern discoveries and technologies. The Superhumanized Podcast is a show committed to sharing what I have learned from the world's leading experts in order to help you achieve your full potential and create your best life ever. Nadine, it is such a pleasure to speak with you today. Thank you for being a guest on the Superhumanized podcast. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you so much for inviting me. Oh, absolutely. I could not wait to talk with you. I have over the years also uh, witnessed you as a speaker on many health and wellness conferences, and your message um, has profoundly moved me. And, you know, uh, just for most people, especially the typical woman who uses an average of 12 products per day containing over 168 ingredients. It is so important to talk about, you know, how we can change toxic products because, you know, using conventional products, we can absorb close to four and a half pounds of toxic chemicals a year. So how can we can swap those for um, alternatives that are non-toxic? So for the people in the audience who are interested in doing that and cleaning up their beauty regimen, what are the top things to mind? That's a great question. And I feel like, sure, there's sort of the alternative, but I think we can even question like, do we even need this? Mm -hmm. And I mean, I, I'm saying that and well, I don't even know how many products I create. <laughs> 
<laughs> so there's definitely still fun to be had and variety and we want to have all that celebration but there's a lot of stuff it's like do we even need this step do we need this layer do we need this chemical so that's sort of one thing and then swapping out like how we're approaching the situation like let's take something like deodorant and armpits we're masking our communication system of pheromones and we're overriding it with a synthetic smell system so for sure, we want to have clean ingredients in there, but let's also just think about the whole system there. What do we need to mask or not mask or sweat or not sweat? Well, first of all, we want to sweat because uh, we want to let that stuff out. It's a part of our body. And then it's a whole pheromone communication system. It's like a signaling system where we're, you know, it's, we're sending uh, chemical messengers out into the world. And we want to have the messages of our body sort of go out in good messages and not just with like a synthetic sure deodorant or whatever that's putting microscopic amounts of aluminum into the armpits, especially if after you've shaved, all of that kind of stuff. We want to celebrate the armpits and not just think about this weird aroma that comes over us and we're supposed to be embarrassed about. You know, let's just mm -hmm. undo it all. And, you know, first of all, hopefully, you know, we can wash the pit with a natural bar soap or something. So we're starting outright. I discovered that because it, it was the, I'd made uh, all kinds of different skincare creations and everything in my early 20s, but I couldn't quite get the formula for the deodorant to really be like effective. So maybe it would work, but not give you that like sort of 24 hour confidence that we need in our modern society. And then I was researching different things about the, you know, a sandalwood, which I knew and love at that time, but just really looking at the biochemical components and realizing it had a phytohormone, phyto being plant, plant hormone called androsterone. And um, we also men and women secrete that from their armpits. And there was just a real resonance. And I just was like, that's the one for the pits. And wow, one drop of sandalwood can create like kind of a deodorant situation for a couple of days, you know, until you, you know, have your next bath or shower. So it's not always about like, well, this uses mineral oil. So now we'll use jojoba. It's not always about finding that beautiful, you know, alternative ingredient. Sometimes it's about the whole reconstructing or architecting the product in a different way with a different purpose you know, these poetic pits, I mean, I've been making them for like 20 years and people are just, you know, people get chased sort of after their hot yoga classes are really working out quite intensely. And they're like, oh my God, how are you like still smelling so good? And it's just like takes your own pheromones and then adds to it so that the, those beautiful scent messengers that you're sending out into the world are just so juicy, you know, and if you sweat a bit, like, you know, you can kind of get hot through the day. It's just kind of nice because then you just, even when you have to smell yourself, you're just kind of getting wafts of roses or neroli. And it's just such a more, I don't know, it's just a more beautiful existence. And you've got some legit deodorant that's got beautiful, you know, antibacterial qualities that are helping with the aroma in that area. Oh, and it's it's a beautiful example. Your line of uh, botanical deodorants, uh, which are called uh, poetic pits, I've been using them for many, many years. And I find it so interesting what you just said. Yes, we, you know, the regular conventional deodorants mask, you know, our own scent. They get rid of the smell of sweat, but they also 
they get rid of our pheromonal signature and they take away, you know, one of the main means of the body's way of communicating with others. Uh, we have a saying in German, um, jemanden nicht riechen können. So not being able to stand the scent of someone. And it's ah. basically, yeah, and it's your body's way of telling you that you may not be compatible with that person on a biochemical level. We're taking away all, a lot of the natural knowledge we're endowed with when we just uh, completely ruin the body signaling systems. And with regards to poetic pits, what, I love them so much. I don't smell like sweat, but I smell like whatever I choose. You know, you, the Neroli, the Roses, Palo Santo is one of my favorite. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, I have many friends who use it too. Everybody smells slightly different, even yeah. if they use the same poetic pits. And that's where the pheromonal signature comes in and gets amplified via the sandalwood. And it is just so, so yummy. So yeah. yummy. And men, it rocks men's armpits. It's like, because <laughs> you want, you know, especially if it's your, if your mate is a man and then men just have that uh, extra layer of, I don't know, you know, just, they smell differently than women, yes. generally speaking. Um, even though obviously every person smells different, but you take that and you add like the rugged textures of like a patchouli, a vetiver, like a tint of vanilla. And it's just so Decadent. delicious yeah and unique and then you're working with the body because that's you know it's generally even if your partner isn't wearing deodorant it's kind of like you're just attracted to that generally speaking and like we don't want to mask that you know we want to work with the gifts of our bodies and I feel like we've come out of like you know almost a century of just like weird marketing schemes that are based on strange insecurities that have also been invented and then like disconnected from the products that that are being made to solve these issues that were created and you know and then the ingredients in the product don't do much either so it's a very strange system that we're coming out of but at the end of the day humans do like to take care of our bodies and i think we can just have a lot more fun with it when we're getting into the right substances and kind of getting the intention behind caring for our bodies. Superhumanize. Working with our bodies, as you just said, it is a very strange system and we have been made to feel inadequate for yeah. such a long time. Too much of this, too little of that. And we just talked about, you know, conventional deodorants. Um, what are the effects, other effects of our personal care choices? You know, when we look at skincare products, at sunscreen, at makeup, what other things do these conventional products undermine? You know, there's thousands of various ingredients and chemicals that we want to avoid that are, you know, find themselves in shampoos and deodorants and makeup and, and just the lotions that we're putting on every day. And, you know, you could just dive into like shampoos or dive into skincare. And sometimes there's similar ingredients, but generally, besides the nitty gritty of all the, the ingredients, we want to be working with substances that work with our body's microbiome. And that I feel like, you know, in the 90s, was a really started formulating at about in about 1990, 91. And I had to store it by 92. So I guess it was about 1990. The thing then, which we were just beginning to learn more was, you know, obviously the carcinogens and then the endocrine disruptors throughout right. the 90s. It was really like understanding like, oh, well, that parabens really affecting like, you know, your hormonal system or whatever. But since then, I mean, the new era that we're in that's just really tying everything together even more 
is the microbiome. So we've got our gut microbiome most people know about now. There's the oral microbiome. There's little microbiomes in the nose and the ear, throat. I mean, it's kind of all over. And our skin is one of our largest microbiomes. Modern skincare has literally just been disrupting and mutating the species and the whole ecosystem of our microbiome. So basically, as gross as it sounds, our skin is teeming with a tapestry of billions of bacteria. Contrary to how we were thinking in the 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, etc., it's not scorched earth policy that we want to have on the skin. So if we've got acne or really anything, it's not about just like, you know, benzoyl peroxiding it or just using soap and hoping that it will all go away. We used to think we just had to strip away the germs and the bacteria, but now we know there's a whole bunch of beneficial bacteria that if we actually step out of the way and allow the bacteria to be our beautician, then a lot of the skin's balance is going to be taken care of without us having to make any effort. Thing is, we've got to get out of the way. Mm, you know, yes. I just see like the I, in my head, there's like a cartoon of the bacteria on our skin. And then, you know, the human hand comes along with the big dollop of like a lubriderm petroleum-based lotion and the bacteria are like, no. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and you know, I- and then the body is, <laughs> at the same time, it's rec- other parts of the there's communication systems in the body going, oh my God, that's a chemical. And then other systems are being used to kind of harmonize that chemical into the body. So we're making our bodies, we're making our skin work so much harder. And even then, if we think, well, okay, I'm not going to put like chemicals all over my body, but if I have a zit, I sure want to blast it with some like some kind of chemical or like Benadryl or some kind of thing like that. That's not really going to help either because again, there's a whole microbiome system that's already been disrupted that might be causing the acne, for example. Adding those chemicals that are going to further disrupt the system isn't going to work either. And so we can find ourselves in a bit of a catch-22. Chlorine coming out of the tap water, things got bad, so then we go to a dermatologist and then they're prescribing pretty harsh steroids or antibiotic-based creams. That's going to mess up with the microbiome even more. So when we're really looking to balance our skin and to have our skin sing, we've got to work with the microbiome because it's actually going to be doing most of the work for us. Right. And our skin is our first line of defense. So for somebody Mm -hmm. who's really struggling with a skin problem that is not just physically vexing, but psychologically quite hard, you brought up the example of acne. What would be your first advice to them? What steps could they take to bring the skin microbiome back into balance? Well, we'll talk about that, but really what I'm going to say is this could really be for anybody's skin right now, because also if you've got dandruff, melasma, also known as hyperpigmentation, psoriasis, eczema, dry patches, thrush, anything going on with the skin is not about skin type or being oily in the T-zone. That was all created out of marketing what's going on is there's a microbiome imbalance. And so that needs to be addressed. So the first thing is I would just, you know, look at your water source. And obviously that can be complicated to fix quickly for some, but you could just get a bottle of spring water that could just be in your, in your bathroom. And for this moment, cause you want to transition and you really want to, you know, clear out the cystic acne or whatever you just, you know, and again, considering what we spend on our skin, 
on little jars of petroleum and chemicals, buying a bottle of spring water is, is not too expensive. So just keep that for washing your face and then just let go of all the products you've ever used. And then you're going to wash with oil. A lot of people will be like, oh my yeah. God, wash with yes. oil. <laughs> Especially people with like cystic acne for 20 years. You know, obviously I've got a beautiful skincare products that we've made, but I like for people to also, you know, not be dependent on that. Or like, what if they want to take care of it right now today um, when they're hearing this? So knowing that we've made the these beautiful best skin evers, we've got sandalwood best skin ever, sea buckthorn best skin ever, rose best skin ever, frankincense best skin ever. Those are some of our top four that are very, very popular. So you can use those or you can use a beautiful bottle of true organic virgin olive oil or a bottle of organic jojoba oil. Or you can even do like uh, melt some beautiful organic coconut oil and mix that in with the olive or the jojoba. And Coconut oil is not commodinogenic, even though it's not. now there's some about 2% of the population I find is not so agreeable with their skin, but most people love it. And it also has lauric acid, which is also good for keeping the skin tone balanced as well. So that's the oil you're going to use. And then you simply, you know, this removes makeup and everything. You just wet a cloth, just, it, just part of it. I mean, you can do the whole experience and wash your face and have the whole cloth wet. And some people like to just really get into it. So there's a quick way to do it and a fast way to do it. Know that anything I'm saying, you can kind of extend it or do the quick, quick method. Um, so you take a cloth and we make organic, uh, beautiful organic hemp cloths, just a classic terry. Those are awesome, but just like a classic face cloth will do. So you're wetting a part of it, you squirt the oil into onto the cloth, and then you just simply kind of massage wash and all the makeup will lift off. If you've got a lot of makeup or like some heavy mascara going on, then you could just take an organic cotton round, wet it a little bit, squirt the oil on, and then just all your makeup will lift away. So that's the washing cleansing. And then you can just do one more round depending on how much makeup you had. And then you rinse the face with water. And then from there, you can use that best skin ever again or the olive oil. And then you take do another fresh wet spot on the cloth, a fresh squirt of oil. And then that's your moisturizing phase. And when you put it on with the oil, with a little bit of water too, it really drinks in or your skin's just slightly wet from the washing previously. And make sure you do your neck and everything too. So at that point, you can just do that and finish there. And that's often all a lot of men that's actually a lot for men to do, but it's actually pretty simple. But from there, or you could get a little more refined and add in that beautiful, you know, cream, or we make a lot of beautiful serums. Um, and then we also have a line of, of special products that we created. They're really quite unique and they're called do dabs. And those are very concentrated. Um, and you just take one drop and you can just do that on areas that maybe you've got melasma, a breakout, a blemish, areas that just need extra care and those are very effective at zapping zits superhumanize so with regards of taking this first steps to um getting your skin back into balance obviously there's other factors as well you mentioned the water that we use diet plays a role stress plays a role but once people start um approaching this working with the body versus throwing an atomic bomb on the skin <laughs> with chemicals how long does it usually take until they can expect to see a difference? And again, every body is different, but I know that's a question that's probably pressing in a lot of people's minds 
because we're used to living in times, um, you know, we, we want to res see results quickly, but realistically, how long does it uh, take, you know, to detox the skin and bring it back into balance, especially when you have had longstanding problems? Well, the good news is, and this is from, you know, thousands of feedback and reviews and, and communicating with our beautiful clients. Often people are getting results like right away, like waking up to market improvements. Now, of course, everybody's coming from a different place. So maybe that person had three zits and they're like, yay. Or maybe the person has like full cystic acne cheek and they're just seeing the inflammation go down, but it's maybe not cleared up yet. So, you know, people are definitely feeling stuff like overnight within the first 48 hours. And then, you know, I'd say anywhere between that and a month for everybody else. And just, you know, so again, they're very happy from the first 48 hours and it's just getting better and better. And then, you know, people are very happy after a month and of course, just continuing and finding the results as they go down. And then years after the fun thing too, is we literally have people decades later using the same products. So you can know that that's good as well, yeah. just from that. It does take a while, but it's amazing where people are really seeing cystic acne evolve in just a few days. Now, it doesn't mean it's cleared up, but just to get relief is very relieving, I think even psychologically. The fun part is I would say like 96% of the time with using our beautiful like best skin ever and stuff, there's no detox phase. It's like a seamless transition, but for that five, four or 5% of the time, there can be a phase one to two weeks where, you know, you got to stick with it. And then it's great seeing those emails too. They're like, whoa, you know, I did have to detox, but came back around. So sometimes there can be that moment. And then I'd say if, if you're then very rare and then nothing like that's happening, then I would say let's switch up because maybe there's a sensitivity to one of the ingredients. Mm -hmm. So rare when we're getting to that, but luckily, and we have options at that stage. But I love it when there's not even usually a detox moment. Excellent. Yes. And, and it's um, important, you know, whether whatever organ of your body you're detoxing, it's possible to have this detox moment or reaction and then just work through it. Give yourself, give your body the time yeah. to adjust. And talking about, you know, skin detox methods, I'd love to learn from you um, some of the best do-it-yourself skin detox methods. And you also talk a lot in your work about turning on your protective genes. Can you delve into that a little bit for us, please? Well, yeah, to answer the, that last question first, um, the great thing is when we are, so it's not just even about finding that alternative product, like a uh, substance. So maybe, right, it was like mineral oil, baby oil, and now it's like, oh, beautiful jojoba. So there's that situation going on. So once we found clean ingredients, that's cool. But what's so super amazing about a lot of the extracts we use is that they're kind of like these botanical biotics, something like really using authentic and genuine frankincense in a generous way in a formula really adds to the potency and talk about an active ingredient. You know what I mean? It's like, first of all, I think of all of our ingredients as active. I don't, there's no filler. There's no, no ingredient that's not part of that whole and doing the job. We're not looking to just fill bottles here. We want them to be actively engaged with you and your skin. That's the fun thing about the various essential oils. Again, I'm speaking about them generally. And of course, 
the ones we're using for skincare are doing all of this stuff. But yeah, they can turn on the proper gene expression. They can stop uh, inflammatory cascades. They can help generate the cells that help to this. Um, some of them are, are cell, cell stimulating. So it really helps to clear up scars or when we're looking to change a melasma patch on the face. I've had one famous client actually, and she wrote a really lovely review about it, but she got pregnant and, you know, got that melasma right. on her face. And they're like, nothing you can do about that. You know, maybe after you've given birth, you can try laser, but it's not guaranteed. And, and laser does make your skin more vulnerable, uh, certain lasers up to, you know, just any kind of sun after. And we don't want to be vulnerable to sun. That's something I want to delve into with you as well, the benefits of the sun. In case of your client, uh, what did she oh, yeah. use? So, so she used, um, I can't, I, it was in the doodab realm, I believe, and she might've used a couple, but it was definitely the, I think the jewel dab and the classic doodab. What and are we also based on? Those are the, those are the little um, spot treatments that we make. Yes. And the jewel dab off the top of my head has uh, just so many beautiful ingredients like sandalwood, palmarosa, turmeric, immortelle, to name a few. The classic doodab has rosato, immortelle, frankincense, and lavender. And we also have ozonated versions of those doodabs, which are like concentrated uh, sort of gels that are super cool. They're sort of in between a serum and, and the spot treatment. And then we also have this um, serum called Soothsayer Serum, Soothsayer Serum, which is so juicy and potent and super good as the serum that then you use after the doodab treatments for, you know, I mean, you can just use it as a general face moisturizer, but it, it was super um, focused on resolving keloids, new scars, old scars, and melasma. Cleared up 100%. Perfect. That's yeah. what we love. <laughs> That's what we hear. love. So yeah. with that, with the melasma, I do a say for some people, it's a hundred percent for some people it's like fa it fades it, you know, anywhere between 50 and hundred percent, but it's, you know, always getting improved, which is so oh, lovely. Outstanding. And so many women, especially in um, correlation with pregnancy do uh, get melasma. And mm -hmm. uh, what you just mentioned, of course, we have modern day solutions like laser, but they do make our skin more vulnerable to the sun. And you also place a lot of emphasis on the power of nature and mm -hmm. how important nature and also exposure to the sun is, you know, how it influences not just our well-being, our minds and hormones, but our, our overall resilience. So walk us through this. What is the best time for people to take in the sun? How long? I'm also thinking of myself here. I am mm -hmm. very, very fair skin. So for me, midday for two hours is obviously not ideal, but what is the ideal sun intake to keep our systems running? Yeah, great question. And I'm going to actually, I'll answer it and I'll tie up and I'll answer um, the last thing we're talking about melasma can tie up about that and lead it into the sun care, because that's sort of one of the things that people feel like melasma happens from the sun. And I have a extensive paragraphs pages in my renegade beauty book that go into yeah. hyperpigmentation and melasma, sort of what are the root causes from birth control pills to polyunsaturated fatty acid oils like uh, canola or mazola or corn or soy that we need to eliminate from our diet is those are the biggest causes of melasma. And especially then if we're eating that kind of diet and then being in the sun is not so good. So we also want to remember like what we're putting on and in our bodies and then what we're meeting 
the sun with is also going to be like a chemical concoction. Foods high in mazola and a diet of Coca-Cola isn't the best thing to then and then and then putting on sunscreen, chemical sunscreen of benzoyl, um, oxybenzoin, and then baking in that. <laughs> it's not so good. Because <laughs> Oxybenzene, which has been um, banned in many, I think in, in Europe, but it's very much a main active ingredient in sunscreens in the States. Oxybenzene is not carcinogenic until it's exposed to sunlight. And that's the main active ingredient in many sunscreens. So there's that whole issue. And we do fear the sun because of really, you know, just pretty much since the 50s, there's been a, just a different sort of public education around that. Prior to that, there was not as much fear. And really, at the turn of the century to about the 1940s, the sun was having a nice heyday, as in 1902, the Nobel Prize was given um, to Niels Feinsen for his study of heliotherapy, which is sun therapy. And it was coming in quite strong, especially in the 1920s, as um, a very effective therapy to heal a lot of the diseases at that time. Well, various wounds from wars as well as rickets and arthritis. And I can't think of there's some other bone sort of, you know, dowagers humps and all that kind of stuff that are coming from bones being deprived of vitamin D3. And a lot of that, that was coming also, oh, tuberculosis. That's what I was trying to think of. So at that turn of the century too, we're living, I'm thinking, you know, a lot sort of, I'm focusing and Europe right now, where, you know, rural living is evolving, urban living is becoming a thing. And so a lot of people are now having indoor lifestyles that were not happening before. So there was that. But in the 1920s, Dr. Auguste Rollier, uh, he started these clinics in Switzerland in Lausanne, where people would come from all over uh, Europe, and I guess other parts of the world to heal. And you can Google some photos of those clinics at that time. And they're really quite neat to see. And you can even see some before and afters of children with rickets and tuberculosis. Then they spend about a year just slowly but surely tanning and the bones get straight, the wounds clear up and they just look, you know, like happy, healthy children. And it's just really fascinating. And the hospitals had these verandas where beds were just wheeled. They're all out. All the beds are on the verandas all day. <laughs> That's the hospital, yes. like an outdoor hospital. So it's really neat. You know, and then in the 40s, you even have Madame, Mademoiselle Coco Chanel saying, you know, no outfit is complete without a tan. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and then, I don't know, I guess sunscreen was discovered. So there's the chemicals which are an issue in modern sunscreen, and we now know a lot more about them being an endocrine disruptor. So maybe the question is, well, great, and now we can just take vitamin D and we can avoid the sun. However, we really, there's a whole alchemy of our skin and its design. And our skin was literally designed to be exposed to the sun so that we, with our thousands of vitamin D receptors that are all over our body could receive the sun's rays and take that chemical information and then convert those sunbeams into precursors for steroidal hormones and cr creating things like cholesterol sulfate or antimicrobial peptides, mm. to just name a few, not to mention communicating with our superchiasmatic nucleus and balancing all of our circadian rhythms, not to mention it's growing all the planets and the trees, I mean, exactly. sorry, plant, plants and trees on the planet. So we need the sun. 
it's great that we have vitamin D supplements, but those actually create the fat soluble vitamin D and the sun on skin situation is creating a water soluble vitamin D that is essential for our life force. And we now have over 3000 studies in various diseases and everything that are showing us that sufficient levels of vitamin D prevent a whole cascade of disease and inflammatory reaction. For example, breast cancer risk is slashed by 50% with a body that is sufficient in vitamin D alone, which mm. is like one of the hugest things. That's like, you could probably still drink as long as you're getting enough sunshine. Yes. Not that I really recommend drinking, but I think <laughs> reducing alcohol is only like a 10 to 15% reduction. Right. And I see, you know, more people are doing that than thinking about sunbathing. Superhumanize. And a lot of people don't realize, I think it's a, up to 80 or 90% of adults who are vitamin D deficient. Yeah. And could, you, um, could you explain a little more detail the difference between a water-soluble and fat-soluble vitamin D? And well, why on a really simple level, it's the chemicals. It's like mm -hmm. what it's doing for you and your body. And our body needs both. So there, I don't think there's any other way to generate that other kind of vitamin D than that chemical reaction of sun on skin. And the thing with the sunscreens is it literally interferes with this whole process. Forget the chemical caustic situation or the fact that many of the ingredients are clinically proven to take a toll on the liver and may even cause infertility issues down the line. The issue is sunscreen blocks UVB rays. And UVB rays are the ones that generate vitamin D. The other issue is that it separates the UVB ray from the UVA ray. And when the UVA ray is separated from its ultraviolet partner of UBV, then we're getting a different type of sun ray. And when we're just getting UVA without UVB, we're getting the sun damaging sun ray. You know, mm -hmm. and then we're baking. So we're getting the sun damaging ray. We're not getting any vitamin D and we're baking in chemicals, which are having further chemical reactions because they're being activated by the sun. And needless to say, this massively affects your skin microbiome in a negative way. Yes, <laughs> yes. not to mention your immune system yeah. on a number of levels because you're not even generating the vitamin D and you're not making those like antimicrobial peptides like LL37, which would literally help you from reverse RNA viruses. Right. Um, and especially the times we're living through right now uh, in this pandemic, sunlight is a healer and there appears to be a direct correlation. Between and I believe there have been, there's been like peer reviewed studies showing mm -hmm. that vitamin D sufficiency, if the virus lands in your system, it's showing that it will be less tenacious. Yes. And it may even prevent the virus from landing. Absolutely. I just recently had a conversation with a gentleman, Dr. Roger Schwelt, and he is amongst other, a pulmonary doctor, and he's been treating COVID-19 patients since the beginning of the outbreak. And he has also corroborated, there is a direct correlation between insufficient vitamin D levels and the severity of the 
illness. That is good to know. Yeah. And I feel like, yeah, there's a few studies. So that's really good because it's important, you know, when we can share non-antidotal evidence when we can, because it's important that we, you know, just know that. But the thing is too, like, again, there's those 3000 studies, like sufficient vitamin D is very key. So then we want to think, well, how, and of course people are, even though I can say all this, I'm always keeping my tan going as much as I can, even though I live in Canada and we have long winters. It's really become like a non-negotiable thing, so to speak, in my schedule, obviously in the summer, sun, sunny months. But um, I have an app called D-Minder and it's super helpful. And so I also, like a while ago, I, I thought, you know, I thought the sun's rays in my area were long enough in March. So I wouldn't even normally start sun tanning till mid-March. But through the D-Minder app, I was actually realized that it actually starts pretty much uh, mid-February in our area. Yeah. And it goes a bit later than I thought, too. So sort of mid-November to mid-February, there's not, not much happening. But I will still enjoy the sunshine when I can. But I generally, obviously, you know, I, I work for myself. So I, I do have flexibility in my own office hours. But I'll look at the week and the weather and the sun. And then I'll just plan around that. And then with the D minder. So when I'm sunning in February, so I just play a game and I try and get like, I'm trying to get all my sun without vitamin D at this point. Cause now the sun is, is back again. So the D minder app, you can actually put, if you've had a supplement, but it takes in your longitude and latitude. And so it knows the strength of the sun rays in your area. And then as soon as you start tanning, you hit it and it calculates your, your sun for that day. Outstanding. But I have no an app like that exists. In February, if I really want to get all of my sun for that, like the actual amount of vitamin D, I do have to have three hours about in the sun. But I will. I'll just do, I'll read, I'll have conference calls, and I, uh, you know, I'll generally make it work. Excellent. Yeah. So then as the season goes on, you know, and July, I really, I don't need much time. You know, maybe now it's like, oh, I can just get 20 minutes at like 8, 8.30 in the morning or something just to maintain it. And then because I've been sunning all spring, by the time it's getting, you know, stronger too, I've already got my own melanin-based sunscreen system going on. Again, here you, you're working with the body and helping the body protect itself instead of throwing something on it that disrupts so many important and, and vital mechanisms. Um, something you also are talking about is the connection between our skin health, our skin microbiome, and our gut. Mm-hmm. How is this connected, Nadine? Well, it's very connected um, as all the microbiomes are connected, but in the sense too, that if something isn't going smooth, swiftly and assuredly through the intestinal system, you know, if there's constipation or gut dysbiosis or irritable bowel system, uh, whatever that is, IBS, um, yes. you know, eventually it's going to show up in your skin. So like a lot of blackheads or a congested part of the face, like that actually could be just constipation or that hormonal acne around the chin. That could be an issue of digestion and liver function. 
we want to make sure that digestion processes are happening, you know, that the, that the liver is flowing. So even a, just a daily like probiotics, enzymes, are you digesting? Do you need more hydrochloric acid? Is your liver functioning? Do you need a little, little bit of milk thistle or dandelion tincture, just very gentle herbs to keep things moving along? That's what you want to make sure that the, the gut is clear, clear gut, clear skin. Right. And instead of, again, trying to um, suppress symptoms, it's a really good idea to actually look at what our skin is trying to communicate to us because there may be, exactly. yes, underlying problems and processes going on that can lead to chronic illness if we ignore them instead of heeding them. And a lot of the times it's an easy fix. You leave away harmful things out of your everyday life and you add things that enhance your bodily functions. For example, the milk thistle that you just mentioned. Superhumanize. Something that's also really, really important, and I think not a lot of people know about, is the dental microbiome. And of course, you have written a book about it. You also carry a beautiful line of dental hygiene products. My personal favorite is, is the charcoal toothpaste with the frankincense. I just mm. find it so yummy and my teeth are beautiful and white and so the, the breath just stays fresh forever. So it's just, I'm, I'm literally in a good way at addicted to it. Also, we've, uh, we now know if you follow the science that there is a connection between the uh, microbiome in your mouth and cognitive disease. Yes. yes. So it's not just to look and smell pretty in the mouth. It really <laughs> has some far reaching implications. If your dental microbiome is out of whack. Um, so what, what is the, what are the keys for a healthy, holistic care of your mouth? Well, yeah, there's a lot there. That's why I had wrote the whole book on it. But you can also go to our site. And I, I created eight steps that I feel will really turn anybody's mouth around. And especially while many of us are now in quarantine or can't get to the dentist right now, if it's not an emergency, it's really good to do those eight steps consistently twice a day for like three months to turn everything around. And you can, of course, I've made really phenomenal products, but like you don't have to use those. You can literally take those eight steps and just use baking soda. And if you use baking soda for the rest of your life, you'd be a million times better off than using the commercial commercial creations at the drugstore for your oral care. It will alkalinize, it will mineralize, and it's um, got even a good, a good like brushing grit, so to speak. And it's... Um, there's a rumor sometimes, I know how it started, but it's too rough for the teeth, but it's actually not. There's a RDA, which is like a dental abrasivity rating, and it's like under 10, whereas most like toothpaste, including sensitive toothpaste, are at an RDA of 70. So it's totally mild. It's totally awesome. And there's even a fun thing you can do, a really neat mouth experience that was created by um, somebody that used to do dental surgery and for gums and was trying to help people not and use the baking soda and a little bit of apple cider vinegar. And it really lifts a lot of the plaque off the teeth and the baking soda being so alkaline, obviously the vinegar is acidic, but the baking soda leaves everything very alkaline. Excellent. And also what you just said about the uh, drugstore 
uh, products that are sold for oral care, if you read the labels carefully, you can actually find that if you swallow uh, more than the recommended amount, you should seek <laughs> you should seek medical help. And now, when you look at what the actual recommended amount is, I think it's pea sized. So if yeah. you swallow some conventional toothpaste, there are ingredients in there that are clearly not good for you so they do have that warning in the back and that's maybe something we yeah. want to think about maybe harmful if swallowed maybe harmful <laughs> if swallowed absolutely um and especially in lieu of the new knowledge you know the relationship between our dental microbiome and of course our gut and our brains i yes. think it's a key thing to look at for not just living better but living long and also living well. There's something I ask every one of my guests, Nadine, and you've already spoken about some of it, for example, your practice of taking in the sun. But mm -hmm. I like to know uh, from everyone I have the pleasure of talking with, you know, what the practices are that most profoundly change their lives, physically, mentally, or spiritually. Could you share some with us? I don't know if it's like, well, I guess a practice, but just taking time to like think or meditate or whatever you want to call that so that you can just know and get acquainted with your thinking, with your thoughts, and then just maybe get into a state where, you know, you can maybe receive thoughts, listen to thoughts a little bit more than letting that monkey mind go on. I think that's a really good tool because I think when we can understand our thoughts and work with our thinking a bit more, then I think we have the potential to create a lot. Absolutely. Yes. Very, very important. And um, when, if people want to connect with you, they of course can do so on your website, Living Libations. But if they want to learn a little bit more about you, where can they reach out? And I'll make sure to put all of this in the show notes. Well, for sure, Living Libations is a great hub because we've got all of our beautiful creations and then also a lot of articles and links to interviews and different education. And I do think like, you know, picking up a copy of Renegade Beauty would definitely give you a deep dive into every subject. And we, you can also find us on Instagram at Nadine Artemis Official, Living Libations Official. And we encourage everybody, like if you're curious or you have a question, like don't be shy, email us at sage at livinglibations.com and we'll do our best to answer any of your queries about oral care, skin care, health, hair, anything. And we also offer um, free consultations. I think it's a bit of a wait list right now, but you know, it's only about a three, four week wait, wait time. Fantastic. And uh, those listeners who followed this podcast for a while know I do not usually do endorsements, but I am a huge fan of you and the knowledge that you so generally share and that you have acquired uh, due to your passionate research over the last decades. And your products are literally life transforming in the best way. I am so, so grateful you made time for us today, Nadine. And um, thank you so much for coming on the Superhumanized podcast. Oh, thank you so much. It was my pleasure. Superhumanize. Accelerated evolution.